Of all the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, it must be said that the first petition, hallowed be thy name, probably the least understood. There are a number of reasons for this. First, the word hallowed, it's not really a part of our normal everyday vocabulary. Some people might be familiar with the word as the original word behind the name for Halloween, All Hallows Eve. And if you know that Halloween was originally called All Hallows Eve, then you might make the connection that All Hallows is another way to refer to All Saints Day. And then you might realize that the word hallow has something to do with treating something as holy, saintly. But few people make that connection. Of course, if you're a fan of the Harry Potter series, then you might recognize this word from the title of the seventh book, The Deathly Hallows. But it's pretty hard to figure out what the story of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows would have to do with the Lord's Prayer. So again, if you're like most people, then you're probably not really sure what this word means. But even if you do know what the word means, this word hallowed, what would it mean to hallow God's name? All of these different questions mean that although we often pray that God's name be hallowed, we rarely understand what it is that we're actually asking for. So in this session, we'll be exploring this line of the Lord's Prayer and asking two questions. First, what are we asking for when we pray this? And second, how is this request supposed to be fulfilled? What would it look like if it were answered? And who's supposed to bring it about? Well, let's start with that first question. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, what exactly are we asking for? What does it mean to hallow the name of God? Well, the word hallow comes from a German word, heiligen, which refers to treating something as holy and set apart, to, to honor and revere it. It's very similar to the word sanctify. To hallow the name of God then means to, to revere and honor God's name. To ask that God's name be hallowed is to ask for it to be treated as, as sacred, set apart, something unique, something that isn't common or trivial, something that is worthy of reverence and awe. If you want an example of this, just think about the story of Moses and his encounters with God in the book of Exodus. You remember what God told Moses when he approached the bush that was burning but not consumed and heard that voice speaking to him? God told him to remove his sandals because the ground that he was standing on was holy ground. This was no ordinary encounter. This was no ordinary being that was Moses was speaking to. And so Moses could approach the bush in no ordinary way. Sixteen chapters later in the book of Exodus, Moses once again experiences the holiness of God when he brings the people of Israel to Mount Sinai. And there, once again, we get a picture of hallowing. The people, they're not allowed to set foot on the mountain, or God says to even touch it with their hand. 
because God is on the mountain. So it is no longer any ordinary mountain. It has been set apart, sanctified, the ground itself made holy by the presence of God. And the people have to treat it as such. Uh, these are stories that can give us a little bit of an idea about what it means to hallow something, to treat it as holy. But that doesn't quite answer our question. What does it mean to hallow God's name? Well, you could say that to hallow the name of God means to, to treat it as something sacred, something that deserves honor and reverence, something that should not be treated as common. It's one of the reasons that Christians avoid using words like God or names like Jesus Christ as swear words because God's name is holy. It shouldn't be treated as profane. And that's also one of the reasons why both Jews and Christians have tended to avoid pronouncing the actual name that God gave to Moses at the burning bush when Moses asked him his name. Do you know what God said to Moses in response when Moses asked for a name? It's in Exodus chapter 3. Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Does that sound strange to you? that when Moses asks God for a name, that the name God gives him is just the Lord? Well, actually, that's not really what God said. That's just how English translations choose to translate that word. The name that God actually gives to Moses is a Hebrew word that consists of four letters. We're not entirely sure how to pronounce it probably Yahweh or Yahweh. And the reason we're not really sure how to pronounce it is because Jews thought of it as so holy that they didn't say it. Instead, every time they came across that word, that name in their scriptures, which was a lot since it occurs around 7,000 times in the Old Testament, but every time they came to it, they, they submitted a different word, the word Lord, or the Lord God. And whenever Christians have translated the Bible into new languages, they tended to do the same thing. Instead of writing the word Yahweh or Yahweh, they've substituted the word Lord as a way of hallowing God's name. But is that really what we're asking for when we ask for God's name to be hallowed, to be treated as holy? Are we just asking that the name of God be, be treated with reverence and, and not spoken as a profanity? Well, not exactly. You see, when the Bible refers to the name of God, it's not just referring to the word by which he names himself, the word that he gives to Moses. It's referring more broadly to who he is, to his character, and into the recognition of his character and who he is by others. So you see, to, to pray that God's name be hallowed is to pray 
that God himself will be recognized and honored and revered for who he is and what he's done. Asking for God's name to be hallowed is, as the great American theologian Jonathan Edwards said, the same thing as asking for God to be glorified. And there's a reason that this request, this petition comes first. Because, as Edwards points out, because the greatest and the highest purpose of creation, the chief end, as he calls it, of creation, the goal of every human life, is nothing less, nothing other than than seeing and revering and celebrating and delighting in who God is and what he has done. That's why Jesus begins his prayer with this request. Because, to quote Edwards, because Christ requires his followers should desire and seek God's glory in the first place and above all things else. That's what we're asking for when we ask for God's name to be hallowed. We're not asking that God be made holy. He already is. We're asking that he would be treated as holy, that he would be honored and revered and celebrated and adored for who he is. And if you think about it, you'll you'll immediately recognize that this is very similar to Jesus' own prayer. The Gospel of John It doesn't include the Lord's Prayer, but John does include a record of Jesus' own prayer to his Father in John chapter 17. And how does Jesus begin that prayer? Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. What Jesus asks for first, what he wants most of all, is for the glory that he shares with the Father to be known and revered and celebrated and delighted in by others. That's what he asks for. And that's also what he teaches us to ask for. But that brings us to our second question. If that's what it means to ask for God's name to be hallowed, how is this request supposed to be fulfilled? The ancient Hebrew prophet Habakkuk envisioned a future in which God's name would be perfectly hallowed. For the earth, he says, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. It's a a beautiful vision. But how, we might ask, is this wonderful state of affairs supposed to come about? Well, The first thing to say is, it happens in and through God's people. You might remember that when God called Israel out of Egypt and he gave them his law at Sinai, that he told them that they were meant to be a holy nation and a royal priesthood, which means that through their conduct, they were meant to display God's character, his name to all the other nations around them. That's why centuries later, after they have so continually disobeyed God, that he speaks to them through the prophet Ezekiel. And here's what he says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations. 
I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Notice what God is saying. Israel was supposed to be the people through whom his name became hallowed. But they, in their rebellion, they have caused his name to be profaned, to be treated as common. And when we as God's people then pray for his name to be hallowed, we're essentially asking to fulfill that role. We are asking that the knowledge of who God is would be made known through our own lives. As the Cuban theologian Justo Gonzalez puts it, when we ask that God's name be hallowed, we're not expecting that God's holy name be made holier, but rather that the divine holiness may be shown in us, that our lives will be a witness to God's holiness. Or, to quote an even greater authority, Jesus himself, when we ask for God's name to be hallowed, what we're asking for is that our light may so shine that others may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Because that's how the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. It will happen in and through the witness of God's people. And that, that leads me to the last point that I'd like to make. You'll notice that this part of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, it's a petition, which means it's not a wish. It's not just the expression of something we hope for. We're not telling God that we would like for his name to be hallowed or that, that we, like Jesus, want him to be glorified more than we want anything else. We're not somehow just expressing our determination to make sure that God's name is hallowed. No, we're making a request. We're asking for something. And that means that ultimately, we recognize that God and God alone is the only one who can bring about this request. Now, sure, He uses us to do it. We as His people are the ones through whom He will fill the earth with the knowledge of His glory. But He is the one who can, and as the prophets say, will bring it about. That's why Habakkuk and Ezekiel and others could speak so confidently about a future when God's name would be honored and revered and celebrated, when the glory of the Lord would fill the earth, when before it had been profaned. It's why they could look forward to this time with excitement, this time when people from all nations would join in giving glory to God. It's not because they were optimistic, that they were thinking that God's people would somehow get their act together, even though they had repeatedly failed. No, it's because they knew that the same God who spoke to Abraham from a burning bush, the same God who wrapped himself in darkness on Mount Sinai, the same God who made himself known in the person of Jesus, that it was that same God who himself would fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory, that he would, that he will 
answer the prayer of his people. Father, hallowed be thy name.